Uh, last week I heard a story about a, a man who a while back was in his church with his three-year-old daughter during a baptism. And in that church they did full immersion. And so his three-year-old daughter asked him, why did Pastor Bob push that man underwater? It's a good question. And the father said, well, the water symbolizes Jesus washing people from their sin and, and that that person is going to try to be good from now on. And his daughter said, well, then why didn't Pastor Bob just spank him? <laughs> that kind of captures how some people view God, that he is out to spank them for what they've done wrong. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is there anything in your life that you feel shame over? Something you try to hide from other people? Something you've done or haven't done? Something that you continue to do? Something that you try to hide from yourself? Some behavior that you can't stop? Is there anything in your life like that? We're doing a sermon series called Dangerous Prayers, about prayers that can change our lives. And this morning I want to talk about the prayer, Lord, forgive me. Now you may ask, well, what's so dangerous about that? That sounds like a kind of a mild prayer. It's dangerous because if we pray it and really mean it, it asks us to look inside of ourselves at stuff that we may not want to look at that's uncomfortable. Not to feel guilty and miserable or so that God can spank us, but so that God can set us free. Free from guilt, free from having to pretend to have it all together, and free for a life where we're fully known and fully loved, no secrets, a life where we experience closeness with God so that he's not just a theology, but that he's a real person we interact with and a life free of shame. I want to ask you another question. Have you ever felt God's love and grace so much in your life that you don't care if people find out your secrets or your sins? You don't even care if they hold them against you? Have you felt that kind of love and grace from God in your life that frees you from a life of embarrassment and shame? That's the freedom God wants to give. Now this morning in this room, there are two types of people. Some of us feel guilty all the time, right? The wars in the Middle East are somehow our fault personally. You know, and we're probably to blame for the Crusades too. Others of us, we, 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 don't, we just kind of don't feel burdened by our sins, kind of never think about them. So today I want to comfort those of you who are disturbed and disturb those of us who are comfortable. To help all of us experience the liberating grace of God. And the forgive me prayer is where we start. But we've got to pray it and really mean it. Not just the words. Sometimes when one of my kids hurts their siblings, we'll ask them to apologize. And often they'll say something like, I'm sorry. You know, kind of not the spirit we were looking for. So I want to talk about how we can pray this prayer with meaning. And this is the dangerous, uncomfortable part. Because the first thing we have to do is admit our sin. King David, that's what King David does in the psalm that we just read. After he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed as part of the cover-up. And I've talked about owning our sin before, but I think I need to talk about this a lot. Because all of us, myself included, have a hard time doing that. And here on the east side, we have raised hiding our flaws to an art form. I mean, we do it in all kinds of ways. We, we, don't, we just kind of pretend we don't have any sin. I'm a good person. I don't sin. I have ethical growth opportunities. Wake up. <laughs> or we blame our bad behavior on our childhood or our circumstances. Or we try to offset our weaknesses by racking up a lot of accomplishments, get an impressive job make a lot of money, do a lot of church stuff, 
as a way of saying, don't look at my flaws, look at my achievements. But you know what? That dog won't hunt. Because deep down, we all know we've got our stuff. I came across a new word the other day I'd never heard before, frust. It's the small line of debris that refuses to be swept into the dustpan. You know, and you, so you keep sweeping and backing up and, sweep, and fi- you just won't, finally you just sweep it under the carpet, right? <laughs> it's a combo of the word dust and frustration, frust. I mean, a great word. You can even say it when you're trying to sweep it up. Oh, frust, right? Make you feel better. It's also a pretty good metaphor for sin. Right? I got frust, you got frust, all God's children got frust. And we sweep and we sweep and we sweep, try the willpower to make it go away until finally we just sweep it under the rug and hope nobody notices. Always afraid that when the neighbors are over, the kids are going to move the rug and expose our frost. Right? And then we'd have to say, oh, that's not mine. That must be my spouse's. Here's the truth about frost and sin. You can't sweep it away and you can't hide it forever. It's got to be vacuumed out of you. And the first step toward experiencing that cleansing grace of God is to admit our sin and to not pull any punches about it. In the psalm, David says, For my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. He doesn't say mistakes were made. He owns it. You see, sin is not, our sin is not trivial. It does real damage. Our lust objectifies other people and does soul damage to us. And wrecks intimacy in marriage because we're always comparing our spouse to someone else. Gossip destroys reputations that took a lifetime to build. And as you've heard me say before, since it took a lifetime to build, if we gossip, in a way we're stealing a part of that person's life. It's a form of murder. Every sin hurts someone. Mostly ourselves because it leads to brokenness, broken relationships, and unhealthy living. And when we try to hide it, it just makes it worse. Plus, we're not fooling anybody, right? I mean, it doesn't even work to try to hide it. Everyone knows. I ran across a story about a pastor who was taking a walk one day, and he came across a group of 10-year-old boys surrounding this dog. The pastor asked, what are you doing to that dog? And one of the boys said, well, it's just an old stray, and we all want to keep him, but only one of us can. So we decided that whoever tells the biggest lie gets to keep the dog. Well, then the pastor just launched into this sermon about the evils of lying. And and at the end, he said, when I was your age, I never lied. And then there was this long pause. And finally, one of the boys said, oh, okay, he can have the dog. (laughs) The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we're liars. And we aren't fooling anybody, not even ourselves, because deep down we know. But you know how this verse ends. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is for those of us who feel guilty all of the time. God wants to set us free from guilt and shame because guilt is not of God. Guilt is not of God. Guilt comes from the devil. Conviction is from God. Guilt is toxic. Guilt makes us think I'm a jerk. Guilt offers no hope for the future. Conviction of sin says, I've done this, it hurt people, including me, but God loves me, and in Jesus, he purchased my forgiveness with his own blood. So if I go to Jesus, I know I'm forgiven, I've got a future. Several years ago, a man came to see me who has been a Christian his whole life, knew all about grace and forgiveness in his head, but he'd never experienced it in his heart. And he came to confess something. And he said, I've never told anybody this, 
And I bet nobody else in this church deals, does what I do. And I said, oh, I doubt that. And he finally said, I've, I've, I've got an addiction to pornography. No one knows, not even my wife. And I'll fight it and fight it and for six months or so, and, but then it just comes right back again. And he talked for a while about that. And when he was done, I said, you know, Jesus forgives you. And I'm not thinking anything less about you. And he shook his head no. So I said, well, all right then. If Jesus were in the room, which he is, what, do you, what would you want to say to him? And he said, well, I'd want to say, Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I said, well, then what would Jesus say back to you? And he kind of teared up and he said, I think Jesus would say, thank you for telling me. And I'm not ashamed of you. And I forgive you, so let's go conquer this thing together. And as he said that, he physically changed. He, he, his shoulders had been kind of stooped before, but suddenly he sat up straighter and the tension in his face was gone because that burden of secrecy and shame was finally being lifted. Well, from there, he got some help from Christian counselors who guided him on when and how to tell his wife, which he did. And at first, she was very, very hurt, very, very angry. But after a couple of weeks, she, she said to him, you know, I, I, I do love you. And I still think you're the best guy in the world. So how are we going to go about getting past this? Here's this person. He's hurt the most, forgiving him and loving him. And he said, I knew it wasn't her. her she couldn't do that on her own had to be God's power working through her, speaking through her to me about his love and his grace. And he was able to break the addiction. And their marriage got way better, not just because the porn was gone, but because now there were no walls, no secrets, complete intimacy. He later told me, I've been a Christian all my life, but now I feel his love inside me. I feel it. Now in my head and my heart. It's not a theology anymore. Jesus is real. Well, then as time went on, he began to realize that what he really wanted to do was go into ministry. But the, the, he had buried that thought because he, he believed that God wouldn't want him because of his sin. But once he got rid of that burden of secrecy and shame, he began to realize, no, God is calling me into ministry. So now they've moved to another part of the country. He's in full-time ministry. Now, all that didn't happen overnight. It took a long, long time. And often in these deals, it's very messy and complex and complicated. But over time, he owned his sin, asked God and others to forgive him in a real way, and he experienced God's grace, not in his head, but in his heart. The Lord forgive me prayer asks us to own our sin so we can get free of it. Not to wallow in it or feel guilty, but to get free of it. And if you're having trouble owning your sin, let me give you another dangerous prayer. Lord, show me my sin and its consequences. And then if you still can't figure out what your sin is, ask your spouse. They'll help you. <laughs> Siblings and coworkers also can be of assistance. <laughs> then the second thing this prayer, Lord forgive me, asks us to do is to release any unforgiveness we have toward others. Because nothing blocks us from experiencing God's grace and forgiveness more than our unforgiveness. Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer to pray, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, suggesting that there is a connection. Because if we don't, if we don't forgive someone else, it's going to be harder for us to experience God's grace. Because inside we'll assume that God is as unforgiving as we are. A good friend of mine got in an argument with his wife because he felt that she had cut him off during a conversation and he'd just been to a conference on experiencing closeness with God where he's given some helpful steps toward releasing unforgiveness. So he kind of walked away from the argument to take some time to pray. 
And the first step is to pray, Lord, why am I so mad right now? Show me if there's a situation in my past that is triggering this anger. Well, he prayed that and he had this memory of being a little kid with his, trying to talk to his dad, but his dad kept cutting him off in anger. Well, then the next step is to ask Jesus, were you there in that situation? And he did that and he, he kind of saw Jesus sitting in that room with, the, with his father and him. The next step was to ask, what was the lie I was believing then? And my friend thought, well, that I'm not worth listening to, which means I must be worthless. And then the next step is to ask Jesus, is that true? What's your truth? And Jesus said back to him, it's not true. I want to listen to you. You're not worthless. And as he's praying through this, his feelings began to shift for his dad. He began to see him differently. Thought maybe my dad was just having a bad day that day. And, and his anger wasn't about me at all. It wasn't mail addressed to me. It was all about him. And then he was able to kind of let that incident go and do the last step, which was to pray to bless his father. Once he'd prayed through all of that, he began to see his wife in a little bit different way too. Realized she really wasn't cutting him off. She was just kind of engaged in the conversation. But because he was hanging on to that unforgiveness toward his dad, he was also hanging on to the lie that incident created, which is I'm not worth listening to. And that's what he was really mad about, not what his wife had said. When he let go of all that unforgiveness, he, he experienced incredible closeness with Jesus, where G, he heard Jesus personally affirm his worth, and it fixed the problems with he and his wife. Now, I'm not suggesting that every argument you have with someone, it's related to some deep-seated thing in your past. But my point is, forgiveness is the fuel of the kingdom. And if we release our unforgiveness, God's grace flows through us. And we have to do this not just once, but over and over and over again. And sometimes we may forgive another person and they don't forgive us back. But even still, if we have experienced God's grace in a deep way, we won't care. It won't bother us because we know that God is with us. You see, God doesn't want to spank us for our sin. He wants to free us from it. In the Bible, God says, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. Now you might ask, how can God forget something? He knows everything, right? Yeah, but he's also omnipotent, which means he can do anything, including blind himself to our sin. If you know Jesus and you ask God, what is my sin, based upon what Jesus did on the cross, God will respond, I don't remember. He remembers your sin no more. Back when I was in California, when I finished my PhD, the college students in my Bible study bought me a Bible with Reverend Dr. Scott Dudley inscribed on the front. But I lost it after about a month. And I didn't want to admit it, so I went and got another Bible that looked the same and had it engraved with the same script as best I could remember. It was an elaborate cover-up. Well, one night at the end of Bible study, one of the students said, I've been looking at that Bible all night. Uh-oh. Is that the one we bought for you? And I literally said, yep, sure is, and put it in my backpack and said, gotta go. I'm sure I didn't look guilty at all, right? Well, I, I knew that I'd blown it. So the next day I went back to fess up, but, but I, I still hadn't really owned my sin. And I was just trying to kind of make it less awkward. So I went to the student that had asked the question the night before, and I said, I lied last night. I'm sorry. I just didn't want to hurt your feelings if you found out that I lost it. And he said, no, you just wanted to cover your butt. Direct quote. And you're my mentor, and I look to you to, how to know how to be a man, and you let me down last night. And I said, oh, yeah, pretty much I did, uh-huh. And I sort of mumbled another apology, and we kind of went on from there. 
Well, the next day I was praying and this student's face flashed into my head, tried to ignore it, but it wouldn't go away. So I said, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? And I felt this conviction for what I'd done. Not toxic guilt, not you rotten jerk, but just sad. And God was showing me that my lie had done real damage to this student, to my relationship with him, and to me. I don't want to be a liar, right? And so I said, Lord, I am so sorry. You give me this great gift to mentor these guys, and I just blew it. Please forgive me. Only this time, I really meant it. And I don't always experience God when I pray, but this time I did. Had this sense of Jesus sitting right next to me with, my, with his hand on my shoulder saying, now you're talking, Dudley. And you're still my man, and I love you, and I forgive you. Now, let's go make this thing right. So I went back to that student again, and this time I said, I let you down. I was a lousy mentor, and I hurt you, and I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And he said, yeah, it did hurt, but thanks for owning it. And I think just now you showed me what it means to be a man. And then he said, besides, Scott, you're not that lousy of a mentor. I mean, think of it this way. You gave me a great example of what screwing up really looks like. And now I know what not to do. So it's a mentoring technique I've developed, very effective. When I tried to hide my sin or minimize it, just a little white lie, I was far from God and that student. But when I really prayed, Lord, forgive me, when I own my sin, I experienced God's grace, not in my head, in my heart. And in the process, helped the student let go of his unforgiveness toward me so that he could experience God's grace and be a channel for it back to me through him. And that incident gave me powerful motivation to not lie. And from then, from then on, I really worked hard at telling the complete truth because I saw the damage that lies, lying can do. So how about you? Will you pray, Lord, forgive me, only really mean it? Ask God to show you your sin and its consequences and admit it and own it and then release any unforgiveness you have towards someone else so that you experience God's life-changing, liberating love. As many of you know, I, I love to hike and camp. And, you know, when you carry a 60-pound pack up a mountain for eight hours, when you take it off, you feel like you are walking on the moon. You feel so light. That's how it feels when we experience God's forgiveness in our gut. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, and I looked up the original Greek for the word anyone, cool meaning. It means anyone. If anyone is in Christ, no matter what we've done or haven't done, no matter the secrets we keep or the sins we hide, no matter what anyone else says about us, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. He remembers our sins no more. They were crucified with Jesus. We are free. That is good news. And that means that we can boldly go to God and confess our sins knowing our God loves us and will set us free. I'm going to close in prayer right now. And as a first step toward experiencing God's grace, I just invite you to pray silent with, silently with me these words from Psalm 139. Let's pray. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. Before a word is on my lips, you know what I'm going to say. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the everlasting way. Jesus, please forgive me. Amen.